Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I've got all this stuff now. I've got to go through customs again. And then they have the scanner thing. So he says, put your luggage on the, on the little scanner thing. And so I put my luggage on the scanner thing and get it through to the other side. And he says to me, uh, do, do you have a laptop? You have laptops in your computer, in your, um, in your, in your bag? And I said, uh, yeah. He says, how many laptops do you have with you? I said, three, mine and two in the bag. He says, oh, well, you know, you, you're only allowed to bring into the country one laptop. I said, who came up with this idea? I said, when did, the, 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 what, did you not think to tell anybody? Who came up with this idea? I'm standing there arguing with the man. He says, well, you can only bring in one, you know, he's telling me in the best English he can. He says, you can only bring in one laptop that belongs to you, and the two laptops that are in your bags, you're going to have to pay customs on them. I said, what do you mean I'm going to pay customs on them? He says, well, how much are the laptops worth? I said, well, they're not worth anything. They're old laptops. In the U.S., we throw away old laptops and get new ones. They're not worth anything. Well, how much are they worth? I said, well, $450, two old laptops, $450. So he does some weird math. And then he says, oh, well, you're going to have to pay $100. I said, are you kidding me? I mean, in Hindi, you know, I speak Hindi. In Hindi, I, I said to him, I said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> he said, you're going to have to pay $100. I said, I, no, I'm not going to pay $100. I said, you don't have a sign anywhere posted around here. Nobody knows. When did this rule come up? You guys are trying to scam people. And I'm thinking all the while, I'm going to jail today. <laughs> I know I'm going to jail. I just, I'm, you guys are trying to scam people. It's not right. It's not right. It's just not right. So I said to him, I said, um, he says, well, you have to pay $100. And I'm not paying $100. So I have this letter um, that I carry with me along with my visa. Um, it's a letter from the state, from Andhra Pradesh, from the state of Andhra Pradesh. I work with uh, the Freedom Foundation, as you know. I also work with an organization called Chetana Mahila Mandali Sex Workers Forum. And this sex workers forum is they, they get women off the street who are prostitutes. That's where the HIV-infected children come from. They get women off the street. They take them. They train them. They give them a skill. They teach them how to make candles. They actually try to teach them how to be businesswomen and how to make spices and things of that nature. So I work with them. Well, a good friend of mine named Jaya Singh is good friends with a state official. So he got me a letter signed by the state official that, you know, I was a charity worker. I come to India to do charitable work. And so 
um, you know, this letter says, you know, I come to do charitable work and that I'm a great guy. And, um, you know, which is really true. And, and, he's in, and it basically, that's what it said. So, so I, I pulled out the letter. I said, I said, I'm here to do charity work, and you're trying to get 100 bucks from me, so read this letter. So he reads a letter, and he, he reads the letter, and he says, and he gives me back a letter. He says, you still need to pay 100 bucks. <laughs> and I thought, this is not going good. So then, then, I, then I said, you know what? You know what? The state person who signed this letter is a good friend of mine. I'll tell you, I wouldn't know the man on, on a dirt road, but that, I was lying for Jesus. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Listen, do what I say. Don't do what I do. Do what I say. Don't do what I do. So I said, I said he's a good friend of mine. And I'm going to call him right now. It's three o'clock in the morning, right? I'm going to call him right now because this is a ripoff. A hundred bucks is, I mean, a hundred bucks is like a thousand dollars here. That's a lot of money in India. A hundred bucks in Indian rupees is a lot of money. So I said, I'm going to call him right now. So I pull out my iPhone and I dial the number and I actually call my wife. And so, and I, and I actually left off like one of the ones you got to dial zero one one and I dialed the number and it didn't go through. So I'm standing there talking. The guy's looking at me. I'm like, yes, um, yes, I'm, I'm here at customs and, uh, they are trying to take advantage of me. I'm looking over at the guy like, uh, yes. And, and they're uh, asking me for a hundred dollars and, uh, I don't think that it's right. And, uh, yes, um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, yes. Uh, okay. I understand. I understand. I hung up the phone. I said, he wants you to wait right here and I'm going to wait right here because he's going to be calling any minute because he wants to know what is going on because something seems like corruption. So he wants you to wait and, and I'm going to wait right here. <laughs> that, that's what he told me. So I, I, I had like somebody on the phone saying, this call cannot go through. <laughs> So, this is a true story. After every service today, people say, is that a true story? I say, yes, this is a true story. So, he says, I said, he wants you to wait. And, want, and so, the guy looks at me and he goes, just go, just go, just go. And so, and then, and then he said, just go, just go, just go. And then I want to try to act bad. You know, I was like, yeah. I'm pulling my back. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's still going to call. You better wait. You better. And on the way out, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so, you know, what I'm trying to tell you is to lie. And uh, I mean, you know, I, I just wanted, I just wanted to get through and not. And so the Bible says, This too. You know, it's kind of hard to go back to the scriptures from that. You know what I mean? So the Bible says two reasons, according to, to Romans, two reasons why Christians should obey the government. Not in this case, but, but two reasons why Christians should obey the government. Number one, for wrath's sake. Wrath is a good motivation for obedience. Amen, saints? And number two, for conscience sake, because we know what is right and wrong before God. 
And we dishonor God, listen, when we don't pay our taxes. Seriously, we dishonor God. And we dishonor God when we write bad checks with the Christian fish on it and, and, and Bible verses. Now, I know I'm not talking to anybody here, but we write checks that bounce. You got Christian fish on them. Jesus loves you. Well, if he loved me that much, you can give him my money. But we dishonor God. You know, listen, I'm not an IRS fan, but somebody once called it the infernal revenue service or the eternal revenue service. Jesus said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and not a penny more, might I add. And the truth is, listen, you use Uncle Sam's streets to drive on. You use Uncle Sam's police when there's trouble. You use Uncle Sam's money to buy food. You're indebted to Uncle Sam, and we Christians are to be biblical as it relates to government, and we're to render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And in verse 26, look at it. It tells us they couldn't catch him in his words. Verse 27, are you looking at it? Say amen. Oh, some of y'all ain't looking. If you're looking at it, say amen. Then some of the Sadducees, Then the Bible defines itself. Who are the Sadducees? Well, they deny that there is a resurrection. They came to him and they asked him saying, teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies having a wife and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers and the first took a wife and died without children and the second took took her as wife, and he died childless. And then the third took her, and in like manner the seven also. And they left no children, and they died, and died. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in verse 33, in the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For all seven had her as wife. And Jesus answered and said to them, The sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy, are you looking at verse 35? But those who are counted worthy to attain that age. Remember, he's talking to the Sadducees who don't believe in future judgment. That age and the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Nor can they die anymore for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are not raised, are raised. When he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, for he is not the God of the dead, but the God of what saints? The living for all live to him. And then some of the scribes answered and said, teacher, you've spoken well, but after that, They dared not question him anymore. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Some of the Sadducees. Who are the Sadducees? Well, the Sadducees, listen, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The Sadducees were the smallest of the Jewish sect. They are powerful. They are wealthy. They are influential. They were in charge of the money tables in the temple. When Jesus drove out the money changers in chapter 19, He was driving out the Sadducees. The Sadducees rejected anything that dealt with the supernatural. And they didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in angels or future judgment. They didn't believe in the resurrection, which made them sad, you see. Sorry. There's one more. 
So these guys were liberal, philosophical, theological materialists. And so they mocked anything spiritual because they only worship what they could understand with their own minds in verse 28. So they pose a hypothetical question, a hypothetical situation. They said, Jesus, Moses wrote that if a man's brother dies and he was married and he dies without children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring. So Jesus, we have seven brothers. When the first one dies without children, his brother takes his wife. He also dies without kids, and this continues to happen seven times. She marries brother after brother. Are you getting this? She marries brother after brother seven times, and all the brothers die. I think it's time to do some investigation on the woman. Anybody? She's putting something in their coffee. Something's not right. I'm no forensic scientist. By no means. But I know if seven brothers die and one woman's still alive, there's a problem. That's all I'm saying. So in verse 32, go ahead and look at it. It says, last of all, the woman died. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, here's a little history for you. In Israel, listen, if you were to marry and die without a son, Without, without a son, the law said the nearest brother was to marry the widow of his brother and raise up children. And the firstborn son was to take the name of his dead father. You'll find this in Deuteronomy chapter 25. Now, if he had a wife, it was the brother's responsibility to take the wife and the children. Needless to say, if a brother announced that he was going to get married, the other brothers were interested to see what she looked like. Amen. Because they're thinking, I might get stuck with her. So let me see what she looked like. I would. Now, if the brother refused, <laughs> if the brother refused, and I just found this out yesterday, get this. If the brother refused to marry the wife, she could take the brother to the gate of the city and take off one of his sandals and spit in his face. And then he would be released from marrying his brother's wife. So if you saw a guy limping home with one shoe and a wet face... You knew what happened. So they asked Jesus a question in the resurrection. And remember, they're trying to trap him, okay? Keep that in mind. They said, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be, huh? Huh? Tell us, tell us, whose wife will she be? Now, in Matthew and Mark's account of the same story, it was at this time that Jesus said, fellas, you err for two reasons. Number one, you don't know the Bible. And number two, you don't know the power of God. Or ignorance of God's word and ignorance of God's power. And what was true in Jesus' day is true today. Folks are ignorant of the Bible and folks are ignorant of God's power. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Isn't that true? People are ignorant of, cults know their Bibles better than Christians. And yet we claim to serve the one, the only, the true, the living God. And yet we don't take time to know his word. We don't take time to read his word. The cults know the Bible better than Christians. That's unfortunate. And it amazes me the, the knowledge that people acquire in so many different areas. Math and science and biology and computers and planes and trains and automobiles and hydrodynamics and Xbox. Everybody have got knowledge. But do you know your Bible? 
When in fact, listen, and perhaps you'll agree, the most important knowledge that you'll ever possess is the knowledge of the Word of God. Anybody agree with that? Anybody agree with that? The most important knowledge that you'll ever possess. I mean, you might have an AA, BA, MBA, PhD, AAA. I don't know what you got. But if you know your Bible, you will learn the wisdom of God and you will experience the power of God. Can you say amen? And so they asked Jesus in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? In verse 34, Jesus said, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. Verse 35, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age, he's talking about the afterlife. Mind you, there's probably steam blowing out of the Sadducees' ears by now because they don't believe in the afterlife. And the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Listen, in the kingdom of God, nobody's going to be married. Now, some of y'all are saying, hallelujah. And some of y'all are saying, dang. But in the kingdom of God, nobody's going to be married because we're going to be the bride of Christ. Nobody's going to be married. Look at verse 35. Jesus said, notice the resurrection. I want you to pay attention to this. Notice the resurrection from the dead, not of the dead. Now, this statement threw the religious leaders off because the Jewish leaders always thought that there was one general resurrection, and they thought that from Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12 talks about the resurrection of the just coming into the presence of God and the resurrection of the damned, and they thought that it all happened at one time. In the New Testament, the New Testament reveals that there is a resurrection out from among the dead. In other words, when Jesus comes, there will be those who are raised out from among the dead. And then there will be the dead that lay in the grave until the great white throne judgment, which is a judgment to damnation. So in the New Testament, the New Testament teaches two resurrections, the first resurrection and the second resurrection or or, or the first resurrection and second resurrection. And Jesus is talking about those who are accounted worthy to be part of the first resurrection or all those who are saved, which begs the question. Will you be counted worthy to be a part of the first resurrection? Will you be saved when you die? You know, the Bible is clear. You have to begin your relationship with God now on this side of the grave so that when you enter through the veil of death and you open your eyes in resurrection, you have a relationship with Jesus through the blood of Jesus and you'll enter into heaven. And if you refuse a relationship with God on this side of the grave, then that's what you'll have on the other side of the grave. You'll be sent into outer darkness. Notice in verse 36 in your Bibles, neither can they die anymore, for they are equal to angels. In other words, like angels, they don't need to procreate because they are alive forevermore. And are the sons or the children of God being the children of the resurrection, verse 37. But even Moses showed in the burning bush when he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God said to Abraham, don't you remember? God said, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God didn't say I was. He didn't say I'm going to be. 
He said, I am the God of Abraham. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living for all who live in him. And then in verse 39 and 40, then some of the scribes and the, and the, and, and, and the people, they said, teacher, that was a great answer. And after that, they didn't ask any more questions. Now, let me wrap it up right here. Listen to me closely. The resurrection, the Christian faith rises and falls on the resurrection. If Jesus had not risen from the grave, he would be like any other dead God or any other prophet, Messiah, who came to show man the way of salvation, but they died and they stayed dead. Jesus, on the other hand, the Bible says that he left heaven. This is the Christmas story. He left heaven and came to earth in the form of a baby. And then he grew up and became a man. The baby became a man. And the man suffered, bled, and died on the cross. But thank you, Jesus, that you didn't, he didn't stay dead. Because the Bible says three days later, he rose again from the grave. Are you getting me? He rose again from the grave. And if Jesus had not risen again from the, had not risen from the grave, then he would just be another dead God. And Christianity would be dead. But the very fact that Jesus rose from the grave is proof positive to us that everything that Jesus said is true. When he said that I am the way, the truth, and the life, then that means he is the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no other way to get to heaven. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. And there's no other way to get to heaven. The resurrection, see that somebody once said that the, the resurrection is the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings. Paul said, if Christ be not risen, our faith is in vain. If Christ be not risen, then all that he suffered was in vain. If Christ be not risen, then the disciples lost their lives and their families' lives in vain. If Christ be not risen, then why are you in church today? Don't you realize we are in church because he is risen, as he said. Clap your hands. Would you do that? We're in church today because of that. We know each other because of the resurrection. You would not know me if I was not a believer and you were not a believer. And we're believers because Jesus died on the cross and he rose again. And we all have that in common. We believe that. And that's why we know each other. If it wasn't for that, we would not know each other. If, you, if, 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 if it wasn't for the resurrection of Jesus and the death of Jesus, you wouldn't want to know me. And I wouldn't want to know you. But because of Jesus, he's broken down the walls of petition that separate the Jew and the Gentile, the black and the white, the male and the female. And now we are all one new man in Christ Jesus. All of that happened because of the resurrection. Go ahead and clap your hands, would you? You see, the resurrection, the fact is Jesus suffered, bled, and died to cleanse us from our sin, and he rose from the grave. And think about this. Just one drop of Jesus' blood can forgive you. Just one drop of Jesus' blood can cleanse you from your sin. Just one drop of the precious blood of Jesus can change your life. Just one drop of the precious blood of Jesus can transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, just like that. Is that right? And then Jesus said to Mary and Martha, I leave you with this. 
John chapter 11, he said to Mary and Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he asked the most important question. He said, do you believe this? See, that's where it all boils down. Everything comes right down to that. Doesn't matter what Jesus said. It doesn't matter what he did. It all matters. What matters is, do you believe this? Do you believe it? Do you believe that he died on the cross? Do you believe that his blood can cleanse you? As Isaiah said, though your sin be as red as crimson, I shall wash you white as snow. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he is coming again someday? Do you believe that? Anybody want to clap their hands? Huh? He is coming back someday. I don't know if you believe it. I hope you do. I do. I really do. I really do. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.